All right, the Fan Morning Show is live from Glen Abbey Golf Club in beautiful Oakville, Ontario for the 14th annual Joe Carter Classic Golf Tournament. Justin Cuthbert and Brent Gunning this morning. I, I like I we're well, we're probably not golfing today. I'm definitely not golfing today. You have the clubs in the trunk. I strategically left them at home. I don't know why. Don't ask. That's that's actually a really stupid move right off the, to start the day. Uh, but I got the horses st- in the back. The sticks are in the trunk. We're ready the trunk. to go. We're ready to go. You'll be asking everyone you can possibly right. uh, get a hold of if they've dropped out of the tournament for whatever reason. But still, driving through a beautiful golf course oh. when it's still a little dark outside, it is truly a beautiful thing. Gets the juices flowing. It's been so long since I've been back here. We have the the wall of champions up. I don't know if that's what they call it. I'm going to dub it that right now. I'm sure they have a name for it, but that's what we're looking at. I got Tiger looking at me, DJ, Lee Trevino. I am just fired up, and <laughs> we're in the season of big news. So, yeah, the uh, the calm, soothing nature of a golf course and the, uh, the hot, hot news items we have to discuss today, it's quite the juxtaposition, and I'm here for it. Now I'm staring at this thing, and it's perfectly symmetrical. Like, can they afford to have another winner? Like, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to redesign this entire thing? I I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, I don't know that uh, the folks here one is getting into it too much. Don't know that they need to worry about that for the uh, Canadian Open. I will. Uh, I will not bring that up. Okay. This place is buzzing a little bit more than it is right now. Uh, so yeah, we have a busy day. We have uh, just a litany of guests. It's actually ridiculous the Low lineup of guests, dead. and it's a testament, really. To Joe Carter. For gets, once, this is not all Daniele's doing. For once. Uh, it, it, not, mostly. Mostly Daniele's doing. I'm okay, giving mostly right. to Daniele. Okay. Because not every producer gets the lineup that we have, <laughs> even when they're in the building. Just to just to run it down here. Roger Clements. Decent. Doug Gilmore. Have you heard H- of him? Jose Bautista. Joe Carter will join us, of course. Dan Marino. Dion Phaneuf. <laughs> Nazem Kadri. That's just a sampling <laughs> of who's going to join us around the table here and uh, we'll also get uh, Jason Bukula live I, from Nashville. Uh, we, uh, we bumped Ailish Forfar. We had to bump Ailish Forfar because there are just too many legends walking or about to walk through this building, this clubhouse, to participate in Joe Carter's event, which is the celebrity event of the summer in Toronto or, I guess, Oakville. It really is um, remarkable how many people, how many celebrities are going to be here participating at this event. It's nuts. I was down in the, at the game last night in the box for it, you know, uh, you know, living like the 1% for, uh, for five minutes anyways. And, yeah, it was incredible seeing all the big names kind of bouncing around up there. Everybody was excited. Everybody was a buzz. Uh, you know, Blue Jays didn't uh, live up to their end of the bargain on that, but uh, that's kind of been the way it's gone this year. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome event. You have a loaded lineup like that. Anytime Dan Marino is, uh, you know, the sandwich guy between uh, a couple of Leafs greats and, uh, and, and other uh, and the host of the tournament. Pretty, pretty good guest list. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome uh, to talk to those guys, talk to them a little about their game, talk to them what's going on about whatever it is going on uh, in their respective sports world. So, yeah, it should be, uh, should be fun. And like we said, a lot of news, including you guys say Jason Bukala, a friend of the show. He's either a really good friend or you guys hate him, making him get up at 6 a.m. in Nashville on the day of the NHL draft. Well, it's a busy, busy day for him. He's got to grind through it because he's part of Sportsnet's NHL draft coverage tonight in Nashville. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's NHL draft night. It's a big night. It's an exciting night. And we've got uh, some movement early 
uh, I guess, in the week. Uh, not too early. I mean, new, NHL Draft Eve is going to produce some movement, but hopefully there's some uh, more transactions today to sink into uh, as we move on through this week. But we got some NHL items to work through. And we've got some sound from Brad Living, who spoke to the media yesterday in Nashville. We'll get to that in just one moment. Uh, but you were there for the reception yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Blue Jays obviously losing 3 nothing, hosting the San Francisco Giants. Another squandered Kevin Gosman start. Uh, but did you pick up any intel while you were there? Because uh, I skipped the uh, phase one of uh, our approach here at Glen Abbey. Yeah, people are just excited. That's uh, And great food. That is the two things that I uh, was able to uh, suss out last night. Uh, in terms of being down at the park, the thing I was actually most curious to see, I said this to uh, our man Daniele, was I was curious, you know, we know the year Bo has had. We know the year Vlad has had. I was curious if there would be kind of a switching of places in terms of the pop they get when they're announcing the starting lineup or, you know, guys walking to the plate. And no, Vladdy is is still king despite the year uh, Bo is having. So in terms of intel, that was the biggest thing that kind of jumped out to me. Whit Merrifield made an incredible, incredible catch last night. Uh, Give him credit there for sure. But, yeah, just another really frustrating night, a night where Kevin Gosman is awesome. And it barely jumped out because of how listless the Blue Jays offense was and that that's the thing that jumped out to me actually the most is that Kevin Gosman has another dazzling start and I don't know how it played listening on the radio if you're driving around watching it at home on TV but being in the park it made it seem less special because you have an opener and then Alex Wood and then the pen doing pretty similar things to what Gosman's doing Jays end up striking out 17 times last night it's, it's ridiculous quite frankly yeah the Giants showing the Blue Jays how to utilize the opener strategy yeah. because it worked quite well for them uh, we'll get back to the Blue Jays in a bit, but you mentioned Intel. Uh, I mean, we gained some Intel with, with regard to the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, yesterday. A couple news items. Let, let me run down the news items. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll hear from Trill Living a little bit, and then we can dissect it as we go. Uh, the main thing, Matthews and Nylander. Uh, Trill Living says, confident we're going to get both players signed until proven otherwise. That's kind of his we can and we will sort of moment. It's not as uh, brazen, I suppose, uh, but confidence from the new GM that he's going to get those two players signed. And honestly, I'm not really surprised that there's confidence because it feels like that's not the number one priority. It's the only priority. Dealing with the current crop of pending yep. unrestricted free agents. We're not even there yet. We're still, uh, what, 12 months and oh, four days, three days away from them actually potentially reaching unrestricted free agency. But it just seems like getting those guys out of the way is even is superseding even right now what they're doing at the draft who they're going to add to this roster how they're going to actually fill out an NHL team it seems like the first domino is getting those dealings done or at least getting those conversations over with and at least from the conversations Trey Living's had he's feeling confident that Matthews and Nylander will get done if Kyle Dubas said not if he did say we can and we will that was Brad Trey Living's we could and we might in, in terms of what he's looking at for these guys. Of course, you want uh, Austin Matthews is a non-starter. There, is, there are prices that you don't like. There's a term that you're uncomfortable with. But there's no world where you say, ah, you know what, it's a million and a half too much. We got to move on. We got to trade you. That's not going to happen. Now, if he said, I'm not going to re-sign, that's obviously a completely different scenario. William Nylander is the different 
guy in that equation, though, because there is a price for Nylander where you say, ah, sorry, that's too much. We really love you as a player, but we do have to move on. Or there is a term for William Nylander that you could say, well, that's way too limiting for us. It doesn't make sense for us to do that. We're going to move on from, from the asset, especially before the, the no-trade protection kind of completely kicks in there. So I think that they are obviously connected because Matthews is going to feel better about the situation, the more talent he has surrounding him. And William Nylander, quite frankly, you know, for all the Marner and Matthews Magic him and him and Nylander have a great connection, oftentimes throughout the season. So I think that you have to look at them that way. But they're completely different animals in terms of the way you have to attack attack them. So I, you know, the report coming out yesterday that maybe it's not ten, it's nine for Nylander. Uh, you know, I think that's a number that you feel really comfortable with. Quite frankly, uh, you know, we're always a little worried with a guy like Nylander that the money is going to make the person change a little bit. I don't mean the person, but Nylander's a guy who needs the odd tightening every once in a while. He has said as much that I need to be motivated, and you do potentially worry about a long-term big money deal, what it does to a guy like him, but if you're bought in on the player, that's what it costs to do it. Okay, let's. Uh, I'll put it to you pretty, yeah. pretty straightforward. Nine and a half times eight. Are you doing that with William Nylander today, or I guess July 1? Nine and a half times eight? Yeah, I think you do have to do that. I think you do. I don't think you're, this team is in a position where that nine and a half million dollars, and I realize it's six this year, but it's nine and a half once the contract kicks in. The problem that this team has is they're not going to be able to go out and spend nine, let's, let, let's say it's eight five is a number you like. Well, they can't just go get Pierre-Luc Dubois for eight five and say we'd rather have that. The options to replace a guy like William Nylander are going to be super limited. And I know everyone out there saying, well, why does it have to be one guy? It doesn't. But once you go to, we're going to use this player's money and go get two players, maybe even three players, you have to hit so perfectly on all of them or one of those guys has to overperform the deal by cataclysmic expectations. So that's why I look at it and say you do have to pay a guy, especially with the with the group that this team has now. Cannot just afford to let a guy go like that. And it wouldn't be for nothing, but it would be to try to replace him with two or three lesser parts, and that almost never works. William Nealer is 27 years old. This will be his age 27 season, turns 28 on May 1st or in May. So you would be soaking up all of his prime on an eight-year term. You'd be taking him to 35. You'd be controlling the best or the rest of his best years. I would also... Uh, I, w- I want to clarify, I would also be, and this is part of the using of your financial might, and obviously this is all part of the negotiation, I'd be front-loading that deal. So he can have the no-trade protection he wants towards oh, yeah. the end, oh, yeah. but you need to make that a, and I say this about Nylander, I would say the same, again, Matthews, it's not going to be eight years, so it doesn't matter. I would say this about Marner, same goes for him, is that you need to make this, if it's going to be an eight-year pact, a a Coyotes-friendly deal for the last two years of sure, it or whatever sure. it ends up being. You need to do that, and this team has the financial resources to jam signing bonuses in the first two years. Yeah, of the yeah. So get- I think that's the other part of it that does. If it's an eight-year deal and none of that is there, and the last years are just as much cash as elsewhere, then that does make me feel a little bit differently because maybe that's the player trying to build kind of more no-trade protection in for the tail end of it. Now, you know, we'd all love to worry about problems six, seven, eight years from now. We need to worry about the next two or three for the Leafs as well. 100%. Get him into the July 1st uh, earnings program where yep. everyone gets their money <laughs> yep. on July 1. And, and does, give it to their money and guy have, and does whatever yeah, they do exactly. With it. Give him a financial advisor too and say, hey, this guy is going to make this so, become this. 
this. So here's the thing. This is super golf niche but again, I'm staring at Tiger Woods, so if it's not going to come out here, it's not going to come out anywhere. Willie has an awesome money guy, and I know that because he is the... (laughs) You know Willie is an awesome money guy. Well, I don't know. I mean, I imagine he's pretty good with money, given what I'm about to say, but the reason he's an awesome money guy is because apparently that was the connection for the Leafs to play Augusta a few years ago. It was Willie, Willie's money guy, Freddie, and I forget who the other guy was, uh, and Freddie made a birdie on 12 at Augusta. So, sorry, I don't know really what you're supposed to do with that, but I do know Willie as a good money guy is where we are. Okay, I mean, a confident and uh, Willie's money guy. You're uh, not getting that on any other show on the fan. I mean, it should get Maple Leafs fans. Kipper and Bourne might have given you that. Kipper knows every money guy that's uh, No, Kipper would have insight on the actual money guy aspect of it as well. He has the money guys. Exactly. He's got all the money guys. Okay, so, uh, you know, it seems like the ball is in Nylander's court to a certain extent. Uh, It seems like Trey Living's trying to set a price that he's comfortable with. The same rules don't apply to Austin Matthews, as we know. Austin Matthews is a percentage guy. He's a, if it's, you know, a pay-per-view with uh, this sort of fighter, this tier of fighter, Conor McGregor, it's pay-per-view points Mm -hmm. for Austin Matthews. It is percentage of the salary cap for Austin Matthews, or at least we are led to believe. Now, as we've talked about, he could... He could gain a lot of goodwill by giving back some of that. Of course, the expectation shouldn't be that, hey, we're trying to get you at this, mm-hmm. and then maybe we'll move on. If, Willie, you need $11 million, you need eight figures, if that is a must, then we just can't do it. The same rules do not apply for Austin Matthews, but there's been confidence all along with the reporting and now with Treliving that Matthews will get done. So are these things one and the same? Can they happen separately? Does it have to be Nylander first? When you heard true living talk yesterday when you hear the comments and the reporting how do you separate these two guys i don't again i think obviously they're connected and that matthews wants to know the situation and william nylander whether he's here whether he uses money on other things is obviously a massive massive part of that puzzle but i think that in all the conversations you've been having with austin matthews and again i think that there have probably been several roadmaps Selected, and it's kind of up to Matthews which one he wants to go with. Of course, the Leafs would put forward, here's what an eight-year deal would look like. Here's six, here's five. You know, everything we've heard is more towards that three, which, you know, I've, I've said over and over again how frustrating it is. We don't need to go hammer hammer you over the head with that again. But I think when you, when you look at that, you've got a guy in Matthews who you know what percentage, to your point, of the pie you're going to give him, depending on what it is. And you also know what you're going to have left if you give Nylander nine, nine, five, 10, 10, 5, you know exactly what that is. I threw out the idea earlier in the week, the possibility of if you sign Nylander first, it does put the onus on Matthews to really understand or at least own what he's doing regarding how much of the pie he takes up. I don't think you're going to get Austin Matthews capitulating on term to prove he wants to be here and is going to buy in long term. I think he has bought in long term and I think he does want to be here. There's just no proof of it on paper. The way he can do that is by saying, okay, we got Nylander at this number. I'm going to take 250 less or whatever it is because Nylander's getting that. Like I, th- I think it is a very small thing that it changes should Nylander get signed first, honestly. I, I think it can work both ways, though. Uh, I think if Matthews signed first, yeah, Nylander's going to try to get there, but he also understands yep. the pecking order. Yep. So I, I do think 
you know, if they're if they're being done in a silo, but the intention is in, to announce them together, maybe that's not best practices. Maybe yeah. it is, and 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 I've agreed all. I along don't think here. they get. A, I don't think they get announced together. Everything. It's that, very. It's possible because I mean these negotiations are happening now. They could be like, hey, surprise, July one, and now let's turn our attention to the twelve players we need to sign you know, in order just, to ice a roster. Just thinking about it now, I do wonder if you know because I've been trying to wrap my head around how Matthews and his camp are going to spin this, and again maybe signs a five-year deal and it's all proven wrong or whatever. But I'm I'm trying to understand how they're going to spin this. Give me all the money. Give me the short term. And I think that maybe that's the way they try to do it is by getting the deal done on July 1. Yeah. Because I You think, guys don't have to sweat yeah, one, because one day. You hear everything. We talked to Frank, I think it was a couple days ago. One and day, they were, yeah. yeah, they are mentioning every insider is saying that, hey, like this could happen by July 1, but if it doesn't happen in August, don't worry. If it's September... It's a little uncomfortable, but don't worry. And I do wonder if that's going to be the positive spin or the thing he gives the fan base. Yeah. I'm sure people are rolling their eyes here and that that's what he's going to give. But, yeah, maybe maybe that's what allows it to get done July 1. Yeah, there are multiple levers to pull for him, 100%. He could do the eight years, which I think is probably the least likely. He could give back, uh, you know, a half million dollars a year. Yep. And that sounds... I mean, it sounds for normal people ridiculous, but yeah. it also sounds ridiculous when you're making that much money well, and, and the effect it has on a team. That's what I was going to say. It's the, you know, it's the equivalent of me tossing, tossing a toonie at a guy and telling him to grab a coffee. It's like, thank you. <laughs> this is not going to help but, beyond right now. But where he makes no concessions is doing it in timely fashion yep. because that's where he wants to be anyway. We've heard yep. that. And if he does it quickly and there's no stress, uh, at least you take that out of the equation where it's like, I... Dr- I purposely drag this out as long as possible to squeeze every last penny. Yep. No, 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 that's not what I did. Mm-hmm. I took what was offered to me July 1, dusted my hands of it, uh, and we move forward without ever having to worry about this for three, four, five years, or whatever it's going to be, whatever the Great. plan was after that a first initial five-year deal was signed, because the, 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 the plan was charted out many, many years ago. Uh, I quoted... Bradshaw Living earlier. Let's have him tell us about the plan for Sheldon Keefe and what's happening with the Toronto Maple Leafs coach after a summer that at least began with a little uneasiness about his role, whether he'd be back in, uh, behind the Maple Leafs bench, and what was expected from him. This is Tre Living on Sheldon Keefe and next season. I think probably the next question will be relative to, to contract status. We'll, we'll deal with that at at the appropriate time, um, but Sheldon, Sheldon will continue on in there and excited for him to do so. Not surprising that he's back. A little surprising that it's going to be discussed at a later date when it comes to the extension. Um, a lot of the reporting was, hey, let's get this extension done early um, so that there isn't that lame duck scenario, which did not work in favor of Kyle Dubas. However, I I just don't see why that was ever necessary, and I'm glad they went this route because I like when individuals that haven't proven themselves have to prove themselves. Uh, And when they get to that point where, hey, I have to be at my best, I have to make sure and ensure success here, I'm going to put my best foot forward, not to think that Sheldon Keefe would get comfortable. In fact, I think he wears and feels the stress of this market maybe more than anyone but I feel like he still has to prove himself as a viable head coach in this league. Yes, he's had a lot of regular season success. No, he's had zero, or yes, he's had zero postseason success. So uh, I'd like to see him uh, in a position where, hey, let's get through the start. 
Yep. Let's fi- let's sort things out. Let's work well with these stars again. Let's gain some uh, let's gain some equity again in the market. Let's put our best foot forward. And if things are going really well, that wouldn't ensure that they've had postseason success. But at least we can talk about maybe two years to tack on to the rest of the uh, of his contract. So maybe he's not thinking about it in the playoffs. And listen, if you want to make a change after that, you have the runway and the financial capital in order to do so. So I do like that they're keeping the pressure on Keith just mm-hmm. a little bit and that he's not handed more when he really hasn't given you anything. Uh, but I'm glad they didn't rush to give him a big deal, even though... You know, if they just had to erase it, they would. Far be it for me to count MLSC's money, but to me, it just made no sense to give him the contract extension. If you look at the way, like, let's just, again, let's workshop this. Let's pretend I'm Austin Matthews and you're Mitch Barner. Sheldon Keefe gets given a one year extension right now. Are you and I sitting there going, oh man, he's no longer a lame duck? I better listen to him. We all know this organization would not cut a $3.5 million check to get rid of Of course they would. If they need to fire him, of course they will. So it makes, and the idea of job security, I get that a person who is safer can perform better at times, but a guy like Sheldon Keefe, again, working in this market with the way that this team has gone, with the fact that, quite frankly, he kept his job at this point this summer, he knows the end is nigh at any given time, even with a one-year contract extension. If you were going to do something nuts, like give him a four-year extension, then he's really secured, and then maybe that changes things. But why would you do that, to your point? And I am, again, a guy who is super bullish on him as a coach. Now, I actually could be talked into the Bruce Cassidy thing of, hey, he's a good coach, just time for a new voice. I, I very much actually tend to fall in that camp. But in terms of what Keith has done, I have no problem with rewarding him for the regular season but it's just you don't need to. There is no reason to that it's the old, I mean, I always hear it from Elliot. He stole it from somebody else. It's the if you have time, use it, the Lou Lamorell. That's where he got it from. And why wouldn't you just use your time? Sorry, Shelton Keefe, the way this team has performed, you don't get to have the safety of a contract extension. So, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to me. Would not have had a problem if they went the other way saying, okay, fine, you can have your one year, and it really it really doesn't mean anything. It one is, year be fine. It is effectively a balloon payment for when this goes south, should it go south. I would have had no problem with that. But, yeah, I think this makes a ton of sense as well. And I'm, I'm happy they just finally provided clarity on it. And I think we all knew this is where it was going when – the change wasn't announced at the very beginning of things, but it just goes back to a kind of sheepish feeling they have about bringing him out that they're not, you know, they're not holding his hand up and going, this is our guy who's going to lead the charge. They're going, he's, he's here for now. Yeah. I, I do wonder how much it was Brad Trilliving's decision not to minimize. Clearly he has a lot of sway with this team. He's going to be putting together this roster, uh, but I'm not going to forget the fact that Sheldon Keefe was trotted out there on media day to close mm-hmm. this, the season. Uh, and, MLSC had just no, had maybe somebody of authority talk, right? Just no Dubis, no no Shanahan. Somebody had to go. Some some authority figure had to go out there. I suppose, uh, but I, I we we discussed maybe MLSC uh, learning from hey sending Nick Nick Nurse out yep. there, and maybe it's just that's how it's got to be. That's that's just common practice. It was always going to be uh, Sheldon Keefe out there, not able to answer really any questions, and really it was pointless in the end because Sheldon Keefe didn't seem to know mm-hmm. but that told us I think that they were leaning towards it and Brad Chaliving has come yep. up, come in here and not changed that uh, I do think it's wise for him to not change that as we've discussed before because he may only get one 
coaching bullet. Maybe yep. he gets two. Maybe he just gets one. To use it before doing anything else may not be the best thing for well, job and, security. And I, I do think it's fair to point out that say what you will about Keefe, and I know people have their criticisms, criticisms of him. Once they did not make the move right away, you just saw candidates getting snapped up left, right, and center. And not to say there is not a better coaching candidate that you can find than Sheldon Keefe right now, but I think if you were to make a change at this point in the summer after watching, uh, you know, Trotz is off the board because of everything in Nashville and Laviolette's gone now. It just the more reputable names are not out there. And not to say it has to be a retread. You can find a great, bright, young coach, but... Do you really want to do that in Toronto again? Didn't we just do that? Right. So yeah, it just well, seems like the most palatable option. And I think, you know, we all said, we all looked at it rolling our eyes a little at the time. I do think his experience with Hartley matters that he came into Calgary. And this is a guy now, obviously, Hartley had a little more of a, or a lot more of a track record than a guy like Keefe had. But you look at the regular season success it has, and Obviously, it is mostly because of the players, but you can't look at Keefe and give him no credit for shepherding that group when there have been dips and dives throughout it. Again, I think the players deserve most of the blame and most of the credit, but if we're going to say Keefe gets outcoached in the playoffs, which I roll my eyes out a bit, but it is a fair criticism at times, you have to also give him credit for shepherding the team through some pretty hairy regular seasons over the past handful of years, honestly. It's yeah. ended up fine, but it's been... It's it's it. There has never been a smooth leaf season in Sheldon Keefe's tenure here. There's always been a rocky part to it that sure. he and the team have had to find some way to navigate. Sure, uh, yeah. I, I, again, I don't think he's, I don't think he's earned the contract. So just play out the string of the yeah, contract. I, I really think this is a just decision in the end, and there's a lot more for him to prove, and there's a lot more to see from, uh, you know, on the part of Bradshaw Living and the organization. Uh, you did mention, like, you know, the other candidates being swallowed up. The Leafs did survive a scenario, I think, this summer where it was just like, hey, we just have to take the best of the the best that we of, of the bunch, right? Mm-hmm. It's maybe not our preferred litter, but we got the best from the litter. Uh, and I think they did that with Bradshaw Living. I think it's a good hire. I think he's going to do a decent job. Is it like, hey, we... You know, we scouted this guy for the better part of five years and developed him, and we really feel good about our hire. This is a, it was a proud moment, but this is something that we've worked towards for a long time. No, it was, hey, Bradshaw Living's available. He's the best person mm-hmm. available. Let's get him. I'm not sure you want to do that with a GM and then a coach in the same summer with a team with so many expectations. Well, the, the other thing, the other thing on coaching as well is that, and you know, this is a, this is a, a theory. This hasn't been, you know, I don't think hard reported by anybody, but there was a belief that the league was going to let this hiring cycle play out before reinstating Joel Quenville. If you can effectively keep your powder dry, you haven't burned your coaching bullet. Joel Quenville is reinstated for next year. If you're looking to go kind of the exact opposite direction of a guy who you're building up and has been brought through the system, what about a guy who just can slap some rings on the table? Because that was obviously the dream scenario for a lot of people this summer. And I do wonder if maybe that's been... Again, like no team, no team makes this is our ro- our path forward, and there's no deviations. There are a thousand fork in the road moments, and I think that there's probably been some, whether it's been said out loud, whether it's just a thought somebody has. I don't think that's not a part of this conversation either. Okay, so this all begs the question because uh, Brad Treliving wants. William Nylander back, preferably this season Mm -hmm. and for many seasons beyond that. Of course, he wants Austin Matthews back. He's bringing Sheldon Keefe back. Uh, We've been hearing rumors about Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari and Luke Shen and so on and so forth. The question then being, because nothing seems to be changing, are the Leafs planning on changing anything other than their general manager this summer? 
it's been awfully quiet around Mitch Marner is the one thing I would say about this. And maybe it's just because the Leafs have two massive contractual issues to deal with right now. And Matthews and Nylander and Marner is a year removed from being in this exact scenario. But that's the one name that just has not, there's been no smoke around. And if you're going to make a change, that continues to be really the only way to do it. You know, we, we had all the Tavares conversations. We don't need to rehash that. He's going to be here until the contract is over. He's going to be making 11 million bucks and he's going to be playing on center. Maybe he'll play on the wing and you'll have to figure it out. Uh, that's the only way there is real, real change being made on this team. Short of a cap jump that nobody in the world sees coming. And guess what? It's not. It's just a million bucks next year. That's it. So I think that you're going to see a different, and even this is funny because Dubas changed as he was here. You're going to see a different type of bottom six guy. I don't think you're seeing the Denny Malgans cruise through here, but guess what? Look at Kyle Dubas's bottom six that he just built at the deadline. It wasn't a bunch of Denny Malgans. It was Sam Lafferty's and Nolachari's and Ryan O'Reilly's. So I think you're going to see more of that. It's going to be guys on PTOs, and I, I do think that it's going to be a different looking group in the bottom, but I think when you kind of look at the salary pyramid for the Leafs, it's all going to remain pretty similar, honestly. Okay, so it's a big week for the Leafs. Uh, I'm sure there will be something. Uh, fingers crossed, toes crossed, at least. Uh, it seems like they've got to make some inroads least, before. The least sexy thing of all time is uh, just with the 28th pick overall, the Leafs select some kid. Well, I think it's important to make that pick, too. Like, I, I understand that it's one of the few things of currency that they have in order to improve the roster, but uh, I hope one of the priorities under Tree Living is improving that prospect base uh, just a little bit because it does run dry rather quickly, mm-hmm. as Kyle Dubas can attest. Okay, uh, A couple moves in the NHL, a flurry, actually, of moves in the NHL yesterday. A couple uh, long-discussed rumored, agonized over uh, deals do cross the finish line with Pierre-Luc Dubois going to the Los Angeles Kings, signing a maximum term on a sign-in trade uh, after leaving the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, It's Velarde, Iafalo, and Rasmus Kupari on the way back to Winnipeg. And also Kevin Hayes finally goes to the St. Louis Blues at 50% cost for absolutely nothing. And by absolutely nothing, I mean a sixth-round draft pick. So not Tory Kirk. Not Tory Krug. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, L.A. We discussed it a yep. little bit yesterday, so let's discuss the Winnipeg end of it. What is your take on that return? It is the nightmare return for William Nylander that I had discussed of you're going to get three pieces, one of them a prospect, one of them a, a nice roster player. I like Alex Iafalo. I think if you're a, you're a good hockey team, he can be on it. I do like him as a player and a guy in Gabe Velarde who is in that tweener phase of, yeah, maybe he makes a leap and he absolutely hammers home that he's a top six guy for his career probably ends up being more of that middle six guy. He can play some center for you. Uh, I was looking, you know, I know he has some really nice uh, underlying numbers, but one of them that's not really nice was the on-ice save percentage he got last year that obviously juiced up uh, a lot of his defensive metrics. I think goalies were had a 930 save percentage when he was on the ice. Obviously, that's that's unsustainable, but honestly, when I, when I think about the Winnipeg return, not to make everything about the Leafs, but I think that that's kind of your nightmare scenario for if you move one of those guys and you get a bunch of pieces that you can talk yourself into, but is it ever really going to come close to replacing the value there? And now Dubois is a bit of a different scenario. I mean, you could say it's a bit. It's a big time. No, no, it's it's a very different scenario. I could argue they put themselves in this acquiring a guy who we, oh, yeah. we knew oh, yeah. where he wanted to go. Now he went about as far away from Montreal as you possibly can in the NHL, but we knew he wasn't going to be happy in Winnipeg long term. So I think given that aspect of it, you got to give the Jets credit. That's a good return for that player in that situation. 
So, yeah, from a Jets perspective, I like it given where they were at, but I think it's also the the beware what you wish for angle of any lease trade. It's the it's the type of trade the Leafs just simply cannot make in the Austin Matthews era. Like you cannot yep. get it to the point where you have to make a deal like this. That's why maybe you overpay or at least you justify overpaying a little bit mm-hmm. on a William Nylander because you don't want to be in a position where there's one year left and yep. he wants out and he wants uh, you know he's he's looking for a different town to play in. He wants L.A. rather than Columbus and you can't really do anything about it and you have to take a return like this. That's not saying it's terrible. Because Pierre-Luc Dubois is a guy who told you he didn't want to be there yep. and had very little control uh, left, uh, at least that belonged to the Winnipeg Jets. So, uh, yeah, they get some pieces that are going to be serviceable for them. But if you're trading, and I'm not, he's not superstar. He no. can play like a superstar sometimes, but he's not of that caliber just yet. Maybe he's in the William Nylander tier. Maybe he's a little less consistent yeah. than William Nylander. And William Nylander sometimes has consistency issues. <laughs> so uh, it's just... It, it it underscores that control and controllability is so, so important. And when you lose control, this is the type of deal that you have to accept. And from an asset manage, management standpoint, we've gone from Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovich yep. to Dubois, now to Velarde, Ayafalo, and Kupari in Great. a second-round pick. Awesome. And really, that is, that's <laughs> the second overall pick in the Matthews draft yep. that has turned into, and t- t- with all due respect, some serviceable parts. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's not going to help Winnipeg win next year. Nope. It's not going to help them be a brilliant team in three or four years. They have more to do. Obviously, they have better players already. But it's a reasonable turn, I, return, I think, for Winnipeg, given the circumstances. I am fascinated by Pierre-Luc Dubois. I was going to just say, where are you at on him? Like, I've seen a lot of people and put – I mean, I'm going to put it way starker than they would have. Just quit – hey, quit being a baby, okay? You well, got your max he, term. You're been, in a great he's city. He's been one can of the higher-maintenance guys can in you the please entire just, league. Can you please be happy? Could you just uh, – uh, and, and I wonder if he will be. I wonder if he will be because, as I mentioned, high-maintenance. He's complained and whined his way through his NHL career. Yeah. He's now on his third stop. And he just secured $68 million in a premium market mm-hmm. over eight years. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, talent, a lot talent, of tax. talent clearly pays yeah. uh, a lot of tax, but, you know, get a good money guy. I'm sure he will. Uh, and uh, now Pierre-Luc Pierre Dubois, despite, you know, really being a problem for everyone he's worked with you know, up until this point, is in a really, really nice spot and can have a lot of success if he actually pulls his weight and behaves himself. So it's a good opportunity for him, I hope, for his sake that he takes it. Oh, my God. That that Kings team, the spine they're building down the middle of Kopitar, and it's kind of set up perfectly for a last, you know, whatever you want to call it, year, two-year push for Dowdy and Kopitar to get one more. But then you look at what they've got, and, you know, we don't even include Quinton Byfield and the great centers they have there. And, you know, who knows what will happen with him. But the guy doesn't turn into a bum overnight when he's selected second overall. So and they I, didn't have to send him to Winnipeg. And they didn't have to send him to Winnipeg. So, yeah, that also, yeah, how, does, how do you not get that guy back? I understand if you're in a tough spot with Dubois. But, yeah, the more you think about the return, it is as good as they probably could have done given the circumstances circumstances but yeah just uh for your favorite word a very untenable situation with the jets to find yeah when you got a player that's telling everyone that he wants to be anywhere but what he is but where he is uh that's sort of the return you get okay two more big deals yesterday or reasonably big deals uh the montreal Canadiens who were in on pierre-luc dubois Mm -hmm. i guess reroute and trade two draft picks uh to the colorado avalanche for alex newhook who was a i believe lottery selection a mid first round guy a couple years ago 15 something so yeah just barely squeaking into the lottery yeah yeah, and a, and a Newfoundland guy and a guy who's won a Stanley Cup. 
Uh, I'm going to save that, unless you have a take on it, for Jason Bukla, who yep. we have at seven, who can tell us about the value I of will, picks 31 I, and 37 and how that relates to Alex Newhook. Yeah, I will say, I, at, at first blush, and I know contract plays into this and control and all that, at first blush, I, was, I did think it was a bit much for Alex Newhook, but obviously this, is, this won't be a Bob Bradley situation. I will keep my powder dry, <laughs> and I will let someone informed weigh in. in okay, Jason all right. Uh, not, now I kind of want to hear what you have to say because I loved. What no, you I just had thought, to say I, honestly, my first, Bradley. my first, at first blush, I'm like, wow, that's a lot for a uh, for a okay player who maybe has a chance to pop off here. But you know, we and now the Canadians aren't the Lightning, but you saw what they paid for Brandon Hagel, who is an okay player. Now he's produced more than Newhook, but he's also been in arguably a better situation. The you know we think Colorado is a great team, and they are, but they've had so many injuries, been so banged up, and their young guys haven't necessarily been able to stay in. So, yeah, I do look at it as almost like a Hagel trade for Montreal, except they're they're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, so interesting. they're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I so will there. say, though, uh, I that guess was my, that, was my, that was my take. I, and you know what? I, I prefer Bradley it because yesterday. I realize I'm setting myself up for one of my draft night peeves, which mm. is, oh, actually, the, the actual value of this draft pick in this draft yeah. pick equates to this level of player where it's just like, uh, just stop. If you're a team tearing down and you can just accrue draft picks, yeah. it doesn't matter the value. Case in point, Peter Mrazek going to the Chicago Blackhawks and why we never should have applauded Kyle Dubas for oh, erasing did. a mistake. Five picks to five, moving down what? You still, Seven you slots? still move down. Yeah, for sure. Because you did something stupid. Uh, yes, agree. I wish I could be celebrated for all the dumb things I did and how I have to atone for it. Hey, them. if your dumb takes are funny, we can't applaud you for them. Uh, okay, so we don't have to talk about Dubas anymore. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, one more deal. Tyler Toffoli going to the New, Jer- New Jersey Devils, excuse me, for Igor Sharangovich. Uh, I think this is a good move on the part of the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good move on the part of the New Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. I think it works for both teams. I think Calgary being decisive when they've been told Pierre-Luc Dubois style that no one wants to be there. Uh, and they get a guy in Sharangovich who's an interesting prospect and a guy who can, you know, pop uh, at certain moments and did pop for the New Jersey Devils at times. And the Devils get a guy who can just flat out score goals, uh, who's a veteran, who's going to help them in their ascent and continued ascent uh, into a uh, playoff caliber team. Yeah, he's played in big moments. He has won cups. When you have a, uh, stop me if you've heard this before, when you have a young core of guys who are locked up for the time being, you want to graft experience and skill onto them. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so you look at what they did. They go out and get Pilat. Was that last summer, two summers ago? Either way, that's the exact same kind of move. Obviously, Toffoli and Pilat, different style of player, but Toffoli was and I know this was a while ago now, but so instrumental in those Kings playoff runs, scoring lots of big goals, just being that kind of down-the-offense scoring punch. He is a guy that, you know, he can be a 30-ish goal scorer who for a month it'll feel like he will never score again, and then he'll rip off 10 in a month. And for a guy who's in your bottom six, that's kind of – or middle six, I guess a better way to put it, that's exactly what you need. So, yeah, I really, really like the move. More so for the Devils than the Flames, but, again, I think given circumstances, getting a guy who is – of a age to play in the NHL, but still maybe has a little more room to grow, especially with maybe a little more experience and ice or opportunity and ice time thrown at him. I like it from both sides, but obviously more so for, for the Devils. Okay, we need to pivot to Alec Manoa and the Florida Complex League. Uh, the squandered Gosman performance yesterday was not the worst bit of Blue Jays news uh, because Manoa, again, in his FCL, the FCL debut, uh, two and two-thirds innings, 11 
Count them, 11 earned runs, 10 hits, two walks, two home runs given up, and three Ks in his two innings and two-thirds, facing largely 18- and 19-year-olds who are working on things themselves. Um, You know, it depends on your uh, maybe affinity for Alec Manoa, whether you want to be apologist, whether you are angry about the scenario, whatever lens you were looking for it, through it rather, uh, likely shades your opinion uh, because some people will be quick to point out, well, you're working on things in this in this spot. Mm-hmm. For me, that is absolutely no excuse because he's been gone for the better part of a month and he's been working on things for a better part of a month, I would expect, unless it was a full mental reset yeah. where you didn't pick up a baseball. So there are times to work on things and there are times to try and get batters out. And I imagine when there is a box score... Alec Manoa better be trying to get guys out rather than work on things. And if work on things is just trying to put fastballs down the heart of the plate so that 18 and 19 year olds can feast on them. uh, I worry about the strategy. Uh, This is a concerning, concerning line. And suffice to say the Canada day dream, him saving us from another bullpen day is dead. I, I saw one, somebody lay out one scenario that would have made this, somewhat palatable and it was the specific scenario and I want to be clear this didn't happen so we don't even need to talk about it but the specific scenario where he was working on clipping the top of the zone like if that was the command issue of I need to be clipping the top of the zone and you're just missing your spot that is a great way to get teed off on guess what adjust and find a way. He didn't go out there and exclusively throw 95 at the top of the zone. I guarantee you there were some sliders mixed in there. I guarantee you he had a pitch mix going. There is no way you can sit here and try to color code this any way other than disastrous. It was brutal. The two homers are bad enough. The one apparently was an absolute bomb to dead center. I don't know why that makes me feel worse about it, but it does make me feel just so much worse. Uh, The fact that he couldn't find a way to get out of the inning, I don't like, I imagine they would have wanted to give him every opportunity. You you get the hook. It's not like you're you're going three. You couldn't even get through. Like, there's no way they're like, you're going to go two two and two-thirds here, Alec. Two and two-thirds is the responsibility today. That's what we're aiming for. I think that this makes it so a reasonable, pragmatic person looks at him as a lost asset for the rest of the season. I do not think you can look at a guy like that and reasonably expect that he comes back and is anything other than a reasonable starter for this team. And even that is asking so, so much. I think you have to completely wipe him out of the plans. Not to say the team shouldn't try to advance him and get him back, but I just think when you're building out your 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 deadline plans or how can we get through the back half of the season, he no longer exists until proven otherwise. I felt that way before the start. That just hammered home everything oh, yeah. I was feeling. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, if we're looking forward to something or holding on hope for something, grasping at straws, maybe it's Hunjin Ryu before Alec Manoa at this point, given given what we've seen here, (laughs) or at least the box score that we saw. And again, we are missing some context, but I find it hard to believe that they're like, hey, Alec Manoa, throw one or two pitches and let these 18-year-olds, these high school kids embarrass you. If there was, if there was... If that's the plan, what are you doing from like a psychological standpoint to a prized asset 
and someone you need in order to be what you thought you were, which is a World Series contender. If there was a spin on this, we would have heard it by now. Okay, this is one of the great. This is the great thing about him going down there is now when it's like this, even you and I, having not seen a second of it, can tee off on him. The whole point of it is that no one's watching this, and that if it was five hits over two and 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 four earned runs over, you could be yeah, oh you well, threw, it was you a, threw seventy five percent sliders. It was a bleeder and this and that. We haven't heard the pushback. It has just been, yes, it was exactly as bad as you thought. And, of course, Schneider's going to come out and have the comments of, well, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all. What else is he supposed to say? Guess what? He didn't see it either, okay? He's looking at those numbers, hearing the exact same thing we are, and he would probably truth serum go, oh, my God, I can't believe it was that bad. But the manager of the Jays is going to say that. Uh, the sun is coming up. It Maybe is. not for Alec it's Manoa, but bright. the sun is coming up here at Glen Abbey. We are live from the 14th annual Joe Carter Classic Golf Tournament. We have a litany of amazing guests. Roger Clemens, Doug Gilmore, Jose Bautista, Joe Carter, Dan Marino, Dion Phaneuf, and Nazem Kadri. That is all between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. We are on for an extra hour today, uh, and we are going to do the A-list as the Fan Morning Show continues after this. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now, it's time for hey, the A-List. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? Okay, so I think it was last week we talked about Stephen A. Smith uh, openly campaigning to replace Pat Sajak on the Wheel of Fortune. Here for it, by the way. Gunner, I'm going to give you one guess. And you can, if you haven't seen it, just pretend. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who do you think is taking over for Pat Zajac as the new host of the Wheel of Fortune? I, I actually I actually have not seen this. Who has every job? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's my one hint. Yeah, okay. Uh, try and see, Chris. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> why, why? Why is this a thing? I don't understand how he has every... Like, how... There's not enough time in every day, right? Everyone uh, goes through agreed. that. Everyone kind of is on yep. on board with that, that we could use a few more hours in a yep. day. I feel like this guy's got everyone else's hours. Like, I don't know how it's even possible for him to do everything that he does. Yeah, and yet in- now he's adding... The what you know one of the, not maybe not the most watched I don't really know but it, like it's Jeopardy's been forty plus watched. years it's it does well yeah for oh, yeah. over forty years in this economy numbers it must be doing some numbers and I guess if it's doing numbers you need Ryan Seacrest at the controls because he seems to be at the controls of everything guy guys even in movies he was great and great and little cameo and knocked up he did uh, Catherine Heigl had to calm him down there because he was all upset at the celebrities that personally endeared him to me because he was just like complaining about ah oh, these divas so I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed that from him but yeah you're right uh, save one job for one other person it'd be nice uh, pray, pray for a broadcaster trying to break into TV because uh, he will not allow it or at least like have the experimental period Right, Ooh, Jeopardy like, does. Jeopardy this, right? did that. Jeopardy went through the experimental I, period. I, I, we not... got some content from Aaron Rodgers. We got some content from others who tried their hand at it. At least give us the week of Stephen A. I was so that say, we could see it and just have because maybe it's not a long term thing for I'd Stephen like to A. See it. Maybe that's not what we want from Stephen A. Long term, but for a week so we can laugh and watch and enjoy. <laughs> do we think? Do we think he would go first take mid? 
show of like a guy's like uh, give me an A and they're like oh that's terrible oh why would you do that look at the word open your eyes that, I, I mean like the idea of him just ripping spelling mistakes that people exactly. are making when they're trying that's to what do you're it. I'm the, here for it's it. the reactions to the viral moments yes. like which makes them viral I yes. suppose but that's where he could have thrived mm-hmm. that's where Steve like Harvey it. thrives in the family feud when this someone says something a little bit questionable he knows how to handle by, it by the way I think pretty... Stephen A would nail that portion <laughs> I'm straight pretty, garbage. Exactly. Who would not be straight garbage? He'd be straight fire uh, if he was doing it. Uh, and, yeah, I do think Family Feud now just exclusively writes questions to force people to say that stuff so Steve Harvey can do the big eyes. And, right. and again, very here for it. It's all fun and games. It's literally it's a TV game show. Who cares? Uh, the, I love it. Uh, but, yeah, Ryan Seacrest, uh, save a job for maybe literally anyone else. You think Wheel of Fortune could lean more into that, the Family Feud strategy where they're <laughs> trying to create – like? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean – You yeah, think that's part of it? I, I think they could. I'm a t- it I, is very wholesome, though. It is. You're right. I, I think the demo doesn't skew as much. I, let me tell you, I had in my uh, – I don't know. It felt like almost like a prison rec room at times. But my university dorm room, our like common floor. It's like, let me tell you, there'd be some family feud on there sometimes because it's hilarious. There would not be Wheel of Fortune on in there. You would not have the fellows like, oh, it's a W, it's a W. But no, for family yeah. feud, it did get the people in. So I think, yeah, I think the demo skews just like ever so slightly. But again, it. forty-one years, it, it pops. It mu- it does numbers. One hundred percent. Nothing lasts forty years nowadays. Quick funny story about Pat Sajak. He, I guess, he's a hockey fan. Oh yeah, was, big Kings fan. Yeah, so he called in and he was doing Hockey Central at noon, and I was like working the phones that day, and we were supposed to have David Poyle calling in, and Pat Sajak calls. I answer. I'm like, hey, sports, I'm finding the fan. Da da da. He's like, hey, I'm looking to go on the show. I'm like, oh, uh, are you with David Poyle? And he's like, no, I'm Pat Sajak, and it just didn't click. Because my mind was just in the hockey world. And I'm Thanks, like, bud. I'm like, okay, cool. We're Where, taking calls later. Where's David Poyle? Like, are you with him? And then they're, and then somebody <laughs> overheard. They're like, would you please patch Pat Sajak in? They, they so, yeah. saved you from embarrassing yes, yourself. Oh, more. No, I don't. Further, I was going to say it. Further, I think I was a little embarrassed. Yeah, I think I was. Uh, once again, we are live from the 14th Annual Joe Carter Classic Golf Tournament at Glen Abbey Golf Club in Oakville, Ontario. It is NHL Draft Day. We have so many great guests. We were informed, though, that one one that I was trumpeting, Roger Clemens, won't be able to join us today. So we will fill that with an equally good guest at some point. But again, Doug Gilmore, Jose Bautista, and others will join us. And again, the NHL Draft is tonight, and there are so many storylines to dive into with our next guest, Jason Bukla, who will be with us after the break.